just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to College Golf Talk. Burko and Brentley with you. It is, goodness gracious, almost the end of April. So this is it. This is where the conference championships, Brentley, are are full circle. Some have finished. Some are started. Regional selection shows just around the corner. Um, we're we're here. I, I, I got to admit, I wasn't sure we'd ever get to this point, and it doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet, as we'll talk about with some teams later. But man, oh man, the next six weeks is what's it's what it's all about in college golf. I. I'm with you, Burko. It's it's crazy to think that it's already April 20th, April 21st into April. We got the regional selection shows coming up. I mean, I I think I speak for everyone and that this is the best time of year. I mean, it's it's our March madness for college golf, but it's actually May madness and or April madness. It's just I madness. It. Yes, it's it's madness. And I think as we jump into some of the conference results. And I've been texting with people. I think it is going to be an absolute free-for-all at NCAA. It's just sort of a, a gut feeling, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, do some recapping. It was out of Pasa Tiempo last week. Uh, still as magical as could be. That place is 6,600 yards of everything you could ever want. Uh, those greens were tougher looking than they were two years ago. Uh, but Pepperdine made a statement. I'm going to get right to it. They won three out of four in the fall. I think when we had the crew on early in January, they were my pick a few months ago to win it all, playing with a chip on their shoulder. They had not won all spring season until last week in Santa Cruz, California. I think they needed it. I think they needed to collectively figure it out. They did. Talk to Michael Beard, the head coach for the Waves. He wasn't worried in the least. The one thing that is, I wouldn't say concerning, maybe concerning for me, they have so much depth and they don't know who the starting five are. Don't get me wrong. He's got a pretty good thought of who the top four are. There's a lot of uncertainty for what five are going to be put out there. And and I said it on our broadcast. It's a double-edged sword, remarkable depth, deeper than any team in the country, in my opinion, but now you got to break some hearts and you got to man up and say, these are the five I'm riding. Yeah. It's, I will say though, if, if you're as good of a team as Pepperdine is, which they're obviously peaking at the right time or starting to peak at the right time. And you're debating between a few guys for that last spot. Chances are 
you know, all, all three guys are more than capable of doing what needs to be done to win a national title. So I, I think that whoever those five guys are, they're going to be playing their best golf of the year. Michael Beard, one of the best coaches in college golf knows how to push the buttons. I mean, heck Pepperdine, they haven't been terrible this year, but you know, you mentioned the chip on their shoulder. I, I mean, how, how great of a coaching job is it to keep these kids motivated, even though they still are one of the best teams and keep them and kind of make them feel like they still have some, something to prove because I saw this team play last week at Pasa Tiempo, not there, but on TV, Burko, and they looked like a team that was hungry and uh, was about ready to go out and kick some butt the rest of the way. So um, I, I look for the waves to, you know, do some good things, but at yeah, Greyhawk is, it's going to be uh, a huge question mark. You know, there's going to be teams that go in there thinking it's going to be easy. There's going to be teams going in there that think it's going to be tough. And I, I'm, I'm just very excited to see what's going to play out. No, so am I. I think it was good if you're a Pepperdine fan to see William Mao shoot a couple under that last day to sort of solidify his spot. Here's a first-team All-America selection a season ago as a freshman. All eyes are on William Mao, and quite honestly, it's been a little bit much for him. That's according to Michael Beard, the head coach of Sahith Thagala's gone. Everyone is expecting William Mao to be a world beater. He's got the fifth best scoring average on that team. That's not a, a knock on William. People have peaks and valleys. He's ultra talented. But right now, he's my wild card for them. I think I would never have said it eight months ago, but if William Mao plays well, that will justify my pick from four months ago of Pepperdine winning it all. And, and we'll see where I go a month from now. And it's also, Brentley, it's not just about scores. It is about personalities and dynamics and how those work together when you're looking for that five player. So it's not as easy as people think of, oh, gosh, well, that guy's won twice. Maybe he doesn't get along with the other four. There, there's a lot of underlying issues that all coaches have to deal with. Uh, and, and I always seemingly hear it at NCAs. You know, what makes a team special? Oh, the personalities, they work so well together you know, food for thought for Pepperdine and everyone else moving forward. As crazy as it sounds, I think that while the Walker Cup may be a, a detriment to some of these players who have played a lot of golf, who may be tired, maybe one extra demanding week of what, three to four practice days and two very hard fought competition days. I, I think some guys may come out of that and inner regionals a little bit gassed. I think it could be just what William Mao needs to, maybe be part of a winning team, maybe earn a couple points, maybe get a clinching point and that extra confidence. Cause that's, that's all it is right now for, for, for him. I mean, he's, he's hitting it good enough at the, at the practice session in Orlando in December, he was talent wise, one of the most impressive guys out of the 16 or so guys who were there. I think it's just all, you know, like you said, it's just about really feeling like, Hey, I'm, I'm the guy and being comfortable with that. And if he can find just a little bit more of a spark, maybe at Seminole that could pay dividends for his college team after that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's jump to the women's. We're going to rip through some conference championship recaps, the shootout for the SEC ladies, remarkable scoring 
Pauline Roussen Bouchard, 17 under, closes with 65, holds off her fellow Swede counterpart from LSU, Ingrid Lidblad. I, I know Lynn Grant is phenomenal at Arizona State. Oh, by the way, another one of the Swedes throwing Maya Stark in that foursome. We'll take pa- down. Pauline's and, from uh, from France. Oh, you're right, Roberto. France, France. Well, I'm, <laughs> yeah, good European, cat. European. What, what, the the fourth um, from Houston, right? No, um, no. Uh, well, she's she's also no, European. Beatrice, Beatrice, Pauline. Beatrice Wallen from Florida State. Yeah, she's oh, the sorry. fourth Swede. Yes, but the European contingent. Sorry, I was off oh, the rails there for a moment. <laughs> it's um, late, Burko. It's late. It is late. Little... Yeah, a little punchy. Uh, Pauline Roussen Bouchard's the best player in college golf. I've said it all year long. I've never wavered from it. And I'm talking by the thinnest of margins. But boy, when she needs to step up, holy smokes. And then, you know, that's from the stroke play. So I'll let you react to that because my match play bracket was blown up shortly thereafter i think everyone's bracket was in shambles after that first session but yeah pauline just seems to every time she wins it seems she's 15 16 17 under par winning by four um obviously i think she won by was about three shots or something i think she three she eagled the last to uh put it out of reach it's She's a sophomore. Ingrid's a sophomore. Gosh, I hope they stay around for a few more years. Yeah, I would say the chances of us getting, you know, at least two more years of them is probably not great. But at the same time, I think either one of these players could win on the LPGA right now. I mean, I know there's a lot of great players on the LPGA, and it was really cool to see Lydia Ko this past weekend win in, in her slump. But Pauline and Ingrid, they 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 have the game, and uh, it's it's going to be. I, I know South Carolina didn't end up winning, but with Anna Palias and Pauline and the talent behind them, I, I don't even think uh, our super transfer uh, Pinipa Pantong even played. So she didn't make the lineup. So I I, I think uh, the Gamecocks are in a good spot. Uh, I still think they're the team to beat. And uh, again, match play. She wasn't in stroke play, but Panippa did play match play. Did she? They took Lois K go out. So, you know, it, it's intriguing to see that. Uh, and quick aside, Garrett Runyon, LSU, preaches Ingrid is staying to get a degree. He has told me on multiple occasions that the degree is important. So I'm all in. I'll buy, her. Her, I'll buy her books, whatever's legal. Let's keep her because she's a joy <laughs> to watch. Um for the French woman and the Swede, I will get that right. Um, remarkable talents, absolute joy to cover them. From the team aspect, did you have Auburn and Mississippi State in your championship showdown? Hmm. I, I think I think entering entering the tournament, I would have said I could definitely see Auburn getting into the final. You know, not looking at what the bracket ended up looking like. I think once the bracket was set, I did not have that. But I, I think I remember a few pods ago, I, I was saying, don't sleep on Auburn. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a, a homer pick because my wife went to Auburn is, and is a huge Auburn fan. Um, but at the same time, th- this team is is deep. Uh, they're, they're scrappy. They play match play very well. I mean, it's only like the last time we had NCAA match play, they were in it and won a match. Uh, they beat Texas in the quarter. So this team knows how to play match play. 
Um, I think they're hungry. I think they're talented enough. And so them winning is not super surprising, but Mississippi state, I have pleasant surprise. And I mean, who knows that, you know, they got a, a chance to maybe make it through regionals and get into the NCAA. I think that'd be a huge accomplishment for that team. And Charlie Ewing, a Vanderbilt kid. I remember watching him play college golf not too long ago. So I think it just proves that we're getting a little old. Yeah, uh, we're getting a lot old. <laughs> At least I know I am, but congrats to all those that uh, left uh, the SECs with trophy in hand for the ACC. Maybe not the biggest of surprise who won, but maybe who didn't get to the championship matches is, is what's sticking out to me uh, as what's wrong with Wake, if anything. Yeah, Duke, Duke winning and Gina Kim being the individual champion. I, I think if there were Vegas odds coming into the event, you wouldn't have gotten that great of odds because, again, that it was to be expected somewhat. But, yeah, Wake Forest losing. Now, only four teams advanced to match play, so it's not like they got beat by the, the eighth seed or you know seventh seed. But at the same time, I think there is a little bit of concern because match play is supposed to be where this team steps their game up. You know, Emilia Miliacha is supposed to be one of the best match play players. Rachel Keene is supposed to be really good in match play. And to go out and lose that first match and not even be in the final, I think it is a little bit of a hit to, you know, to their confidence. And to also have Duke outperform them during the spring. So to not even feel like you're the best team in your conference, that has to be a little discouraging. But at the same time, th th this team is too good. Um, they're too experienced to really let um, something like this bother them. And heck, I mean, it could even be a blessing in disguise because they're going to enter regionals feeling like they have something to prove. Like we mentioned with Pepperdine, you, you always have to find that kind of motive, extra motivation when you're one of the best teams, because you can't just enter the postseason feeling like, you know, Hey, we're it's, it's ours to lose because I mean, there's really only one outcome where you know, you're not disappointed uh, because if you lose, then it's just like, whoa. And then you're, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just rambling, but I, I, I think you get the gist, you know, the, there's a lot more pressure on the teams who feel like they're the best. And for them to not feel like they're the best, I think that's what you got to try to find when you go into the postseason. I want to see Amelia Miliacho put this team on her back. She's already said she's not turning professional. So not saying she won't play golf in the future. She's going to be my coworker in a, in a few weeks. Ex exactly. But in the next six weeks, you could argue the most meaningful golf she will play for the rest of her life mm -hmm. is happening between now and Memorial Day. Yeah. She's talented, personable, uh, absolute delight. I want to see her rally the troops. So just putting that out there. Big 12 women finished up uh, late Tuesday. We're uh, taping on Tuesday. It will be released on Wednesday. Um, folks in Stillwater, pretty good addition to that uh, coaching staff. Uh, and Maya Stark, who is one of those four great Swedes out there. Uh, watch out for this team. They're yeah, really they, good. They finally have uh, Isabella Fierro healthy as well. She missed uh, – few events uh, to, to start the spring season with some injuries, but with her and Stark at the top, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I, I think Oklahoma state on both the men's and women's side, it got to feel like they're one of the four or five best teams in the country. I will say, I, 
we were starting to not to kind of move away from that panic button with Texas, but red alert, nine teams, red alert, red alert. <laughs> there's with, something with everyone going in yeah. the lineup. I mean, I, I know Sophie go didn't, didn't make the lineup. Uh, Ashley Park got the start instead, but yeah, I mean, Caitlin Papp and Agat Lenny and, and Sarah Kuskova, they all finished in the top 12 and they finished fifth. So they need to get another score ASAP. Otherwise it's going to be a long, um, you know, six, what's it, four or five months um, after regionals if they don't get through. It's going to be a, a huge disappointment for, for Texas. But I, I'm not hitting it yet. I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but this I'm moving back towards it for sure. Yeah, concerns there, no doubt, at least from my perspective. Uh, I know you want to talk a little A-Sun men, things getting started with a couple of the fly in the ointment teams, if you uh, will call them, heading into the postseason that Liberty and North Florida don't be surprised if, if something magical happens from, from one, if not both of these teams in the next month. Yeah. Liberty is a, a team that is just very, they, they kind of remind me of one of those Cinderella basketball teams. When you have all five guys scoring in double figures and they pass the ball and backdoor screens and all that, this is one of those teams. Uh, Kieran Vincent's been, their number one guy has been super consistent. I think he's rarely finished outside the top 10 this season, maybe once, uh, if not twice, um, win by 13 shots. And this is one of those conferences that I think is slowly or, or maybe even quickly becoming one of the best mid-major conferences in, in college golf. Florida, Florida Gulf Coast finishes second. Need to shout out them because when the season was canceled last year, it was Coach Andrew Dana, who obviously a couple of years ago led Lynn University to a D2 title um, and then moved to LSU as an assistant coach, got the job at FGCU two years ago. Last year, in a kind of a rebuilding mode, they were ranked outside the top 200 in the country. And now they're, they were right on the magic number. I think this moves them pretty comfortably inside. Uh, let me just pull up these. I, I get these rankings up. Uh, and well, of course I have it on the women, but anyways, we'll, we'll look up that a little bit later, but yeah, just uh, move comfortably inside the number. looks like they're going to make regionals. North Florida didn't have the best performance finishes fourth. I actually was talking to Scott Schroeder and their star, Nick Gavrilsek as they were driving back home after the tournament. And yeah, definitely uh, kind of a extra motivation again, have that slip up, have that bump in the road right before you really need to turn it on. And got to talk about Nick Gabrielsek a little bit more. I, right now, maybe take away John Pack. He might be the favorite for player of the year, but Nick Gabrielsek is a very close second. He's won three times. He was runner-up to Van Holmgren today at the A-Sun. A kid that wasn't very highly recruited, played only a couple AJGA events, won the Florida State match play like summer before his senior year. So it's probably overlooked by a lot of these power five Southeastern schools and has just come on and set the world on fire. Uh, I think if I had to vote right now, it'd be hard to not vote for PAC, but I, heck, I, with what Nick's done, he, he might get my vote right now. And this is the year and the season with so much different type of setup shall we say conferences didn't play in the fall you know three of the big five that you could get somebody 
just simply off the radar. No one has dominated maybe like, you know, a, a Thornberry or a Norman Zhang that wins four or five, six times. And you say, well, gosh, that's a no brainer. Um, so you're right. The door could be open for, for somebody like Nick. Uh, and it will be a big four or five week stretch. I mean, by no means is his resume complete if he wants to win, but you know, he's certainly built uh, a, a nice foundation and you reference the magic numbers. We're going to have Lance Ringler from golf week uh, on in just a little bit to sort of break that down. But before he joins us in uh, a few minutes, looking ahead again, we're taping Tuesday night, going to be released Wednesday. So the SEC men will have started up on Wednesday. Expectations of maybe one or two teams you're looking to to do something or, or prove themselves, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was looking at the golf stat rankings uh, a little bit ago and just kind of breaking it down by conference. And the SEC probably going to get 12 or 14 teams in. So just a very deep conference. However, only one team ranked in the top 10, and that was Georgia right at number 10. Um, So very balanced this year. There's not a clear-cut number one like there's been so often in recent years. I think if I had to maybe project a a final, um, and again, match play, anything can happen, but I do like Georgia. I think they're top three players led by Davis Thompson, whose dad, Todd Thompson, is the tournament director at the RSM. They're, of course, they're playing at the seaside course at Sea Island. I think I could definitely see them make the final. And then I'm going to go a little bit off the wall here. I'm going to go with Arkansas. I, I know this is kind of unpopular, but, hey, they're, they're the reigning SEC champs. Uh, and they're a team that's been pretty quiet. And I know that I, I've seen a couple of their guys on social media just like, you know, we're – we're, we're hungry. Watch out for us. And I, I know, I mean, heck, what, what are players going to say? We suck. Like, going <laughs> in, but <laughs> at the same time, I just, I have a feeling that I've always liked this team. I've always thought they had a lot of depth. Uh, Segundo Pinto, Julian Perico, William Bull, Mason Overstreet. I mean, just a, a ton, a ton of talent there. And I just think that they're going to be one of those sleeping giants and they're finally going to wake up. Yeah, I want to see if Tennessee can do something. Uh, I was intrigued by them in the fall, thinking, all right, something's getting built in Knoxville, and I believe it is. But the spring maybe didn't take it to that next level I thought could happen. So the Vols could be a squad uh, to keep an eye on uh, this week at the SECs. And then the ACC uh, men as well. Um, Gosh, Florida State's awfully good. Uh, Tech is reloaded, rebuilt. Do they have enough? You know, I threw Clemson out there earlier um, as maybe a, a swan song parting gift for longtime head coach Larry Penley, who's going to step aside after nearly 40 years as head coach. And then NC State, look what the Wolfpack has done this spring. I mean, Shocker, we, haven't even, right? we haven't even brought up Duke, who has found their way into match play in recent years. It's the AC, well, Wake Forest. The ACC might be as deep as I ever recall it being. You can go four, five, six and make a legitimate argument for all of them. Yeah, I, I, I still like Florida State because they were a team who we pegged as someone who's going to break out this year. Their top two with John Pack and Vincent Norman, I think are just too strong. And Brett Roberts as a freshman, uh, Freddie Ketchup, uh, as I like to call him, as a freshman, they're, they're 
making uh, immediate impacts. I, I just don't see another team that that can challenge them. Wake Forest, I know Mark Power and Alex Fitzpatrick are very good players. I know Michael Brennan had a good start to his first semester, but you know, Florida State is just it's it's one of those teams that fits that mold of two studs at the top, some you know, youthful exuberance at the bottom. Uh, I, I think it's going to be all about finding maybe who that fifth guy is, whether it's Cole Anderson or Jamie Lee or whoever it is. But I, I, I like Florida State. Uh, I like Florida State. Again, Wake Forest could surprise. I, I know North Carolina State's been hot, but I, I just don't know if they can keep it up. Maybe they peaked a little bit early. But again, you know, prove me wrong. North Carolina, though, um, is a, if, if I had to pick a sleeper, they're going to be my sleeper. I kind of projected this program maybe in a year, maybe in two years to be a top five program in the country, especially with Peter Fountain as a freshman. I think he's very good. So um, that's, that's a sleeper, but to me, it's Florida state and then everybody else. Interesting. Uh, I was bullish on the Seminoles. I think it was maybe 2015. The year was a concession. They'd won four or five times, a lot of Florida tournaments and they laid an egg. So I, I've got to see the Seminoles compete at NCAs. And I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't argue uh, your point of really talented, really good. Um, let's see him step up and, and, and you know, showcase uh, exactly what they can do. Pac-12 women next week, you can go a lot of different ways and feel good about uh, a selection. And as much as, I was bullish on Ingrid Lindblad and Pauline Roussin Bouchard, Emma Spitz, Lynn Grant. I mean, you can go on and on. Um, Allison Corpus, really talented, really talented group out west. Yeah, I, I I like USC. I think if we weren't talking about Pauline and Ingrid having such great seasons, I think Allison Corpus with just the consistency i don't think she's finished outside the top six yet um i i I think usc is just too deep and i like ucla maybe a year or two from now um because of how how young they are how many you know top five recruits they brought in in these last couple classes but yeah to me usc a four-time winner i know it's kind of weird to look at golf stat and not see them in the top you know five in the country but uh, a team that is just as good as anybody. Yeah, be interesting to see how that plays out. I know you tried to uh, mute me, so why don't we unmute our guest, Lance Ringler from Golf Week, who's joining us. And you alluded to some rankings uh, on golf stat. Lance knows the semantics, the permutations, as well as anyone when it comes to the magic number. Lance, we always appreciate your time and jumping on with us and we're getting close to committees getting together sitting down trying to figure it out what are some of the challenges in this crazy year of college golf we had did you think might look different or will need to look different by the committee as they make regional choices in the next couple of weeks well steve that's kind of a loaded question i think <laughs> we go right um, to it yeah so i think the challenge is what they're going to actually do. That's the challenge. I mean, and I don't think it's possible for them to, to sit down and try to think this out because that's 
if you were going to do that and, and say I was on the committee, I would literally have to write down the school names from one to a hundred. I would have to look at each tournament they played in, the lineup they had at each tournament team. Or, and you, I just don't think you could do that. I don't think you could, because that, that's the time that would be involved. And these, the, the, for the people on the committee that are not coaches, they, they'll have no clue on that because they're ADs and they don't have, they, I mean, imagine what their year has looked like already. I'm sure paying that close attention to college golf week in and week out was not something that they was high on the priority list. Um, so I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's just simply going to be right down the rankings like we've seen them do every year in the past because it's easy. You can justify it and you just move on. I, I don't think that it's going to be possible to really look at scenarios and situations. I, I just think it opens up too many questions and, and whatnot. So I think we're just going to see them go straight down the, down the list because, and if they do select or do choose to select a couple teams here and there, and why would you do that around the bubble? I mean, it's going to be just as important in the top 10, top 20, top 30 to make sure the seedings are right and everybody gets on the appropriate line. So I just think they're just going to go with what they've always done in the past. Now, Lance, with, with conferences asking coaches yeah. and asking con- – or with the NCAA asking conferences to rank their teams, do you think that's more of a seeding thing? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, why would they do that? They've never – to my knowledge, that's never been done before, so why would you do it this year? I mean, are you really going to, to look at – I don't know, Brentley. That's a great question. I, I think – unless they're prepared to sit down and, and, and try to crack the code on every team in the country on really how good they think they may be with, with their best lineup, you know, because we know right now that, I mean, every week there's kids not playing Yeah. and, and some teams have been, I mean, you know, let's, let's talk about the fall season with, with on the women's side with Baylor and, and, and it's the big 12 teams. Some of those teams in the big 12 did not have their full complement of players, Texas, Oklahoma state, whatnot. I think Baylor did and look what's happened now, Oklahoma state. I mean, they're, they're probably the best. They might be one of the best. They might be the best team in the country for all we know, but they didn't have a lot of their, their players early on. And and so I I just don't, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, then maybe Baylor's or maybe Oklahoma state might really be the one, two or three seed in the country and not maybe a number two seed in their region. So I I don't know why, I don't know why they, they, they ask all those teams to do that. If they, if they, if they go off the grid and go and try to do their own thing, boy, we're going to have a whole lot to talk about. We usually do each and every year and throughout the course of the spring, Lance, you've sort of always echoed the sentiment of the common opponent or that common touch point. And as a lot of these conferences have, for the most part, stayed regionalized inside a bubble, so to speak, how much will that affect the committee and what we see coming out of the regionals that, maybe we don't really see any crossover from east to west with a lot of the programs we would normally see. It's a good question, Steve, and that, that's been asked a lot of me in the last month especially. And my answer to that is I, I don't think it's a big problem. I, for me to sit there and say it's not at all, I, I, I don't think I could be 100% accurate, but I think there's been enough connection. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to connect, you know, Georgia to Cal or Stanford to – North Carolina. It doesn't take a lot. And we've seen teams branch out and play a little bit. Uh, we obviously we don't have the type of connection that we have in a normal year, but I'll tell you what we do have. We do have a season that reminds me an awful lot 
of pre um, 500 rule when teams did kind of travel in packs, when, when the worst teams in the SEC had a record of like 35 and 90 and still got in the tournament because it's very easy to understand that, yes, you could be a top 60 team and have a horrible one-loss record because you only played top 50 teams all year. So that, to me, is a little bit about, I think, what we're seeing this year. I, I do believe in both the ranking systems that there has been enough connection um, for, for it to, to play out. But I also think we were seeing a lot of teams that are not do, – don't look as good as they do historically – and maybe they, they aren't, and maybe they aren't without, with, without some of their best players, and that's why they're not as good. And the other thing that we, we always talk about it every year, how, how much parity there is, and maybe it's just kind of shining through right now in, in this year of COVID. And, and so I don't know. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of different teams get out of regionals. We might see our, the most number of, of non uh, or of lower-seeded teams in both the men and women advance, and, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be exciting, whatever the case. So, Lance, they just updated an hour or so ago the women's right. rankings. The men yep. still aren't updated yep. as of Tuesday night recording. It yep. looks to me, uh, with Kennesaw State winning the A-Sun and East Tennessee State, I believe, was the other team in the, in the SOCON winning a conference title from outside the number and Ohio State moving outside the number, it looks like the magic number has gone from 61 to 58. Yes, um, there's, four, there's 14 teams that need an AQ right now. Ohio State, they're now outside the number, so you don't have to move it at all. So it's, 50, it's, it's right at 58 right now. And the so men and the would team, still be at 66. Uh, it's say like it's 67, I think, is what we talked 67, about. 67, 67. And that, that won't start moving until, you know, they start playing and we see any upsets. I mean, my goodness, I mean, we're going to – we might have as many as three upsets, basically, in women's golf, and that's usually what we have in a – in the you know the entire year and we, we were going to have that this week if western kentucky holds on and wins tomorrow yeah uh that's going to move the number down one more to 57 the, the the team that got hurt the most this week was probably mercer who was you know comfortably in it like around 52 and i think if i'm correct I, I haven't looked now. At, yeah so the coaches a couple of coaches texted me and said that they dropped to 59 so with no time to make that up so they're they're probably if you know out if you're just going straight down the numbers wow it's what amazing. do you think? Yeah, what do you think the biggest surprise might be on the men's or women's side? A team getting in, a team getting overlooked. Is there any one or two that you've sort of been watching and monitoring for the last few weeks of saying they're going to need A, B, and C to fall in the line, or their season's done? Anything jumping out to you? No, I mean a couple teams. You know, Utah was a team that that I know did not have a couple of their best players when they played early in the year. And they were there. They've been swimming up upstream all all season. And they went out to the the crazy, wacky Thunderbird intercollegiate where uh, it was kind of like a bubble buster invitational. <laughs> and, you know, TCU goes and wins it. Uh, and then you had Oregon State and Utah both pretty much solidify. And, and in Utah's case, play their way in. Uh, but, I, you know, it, it's it, who knows? It, like I said, it's been such a strange season because we don't know which teams have have had their full complement of players unless you sit there and look at every lineup and, and it's just really hard to know. So I no, and, and if, but I think that's, what's going to make it fun. Come, come regional time. I think we're going to see, we're going to see some really interesting uh, teams. I think that we're not used to talk about late, you know, in, in May, May. There's a few 
things that jump out to me on the men's side. One is UNLV, 31 right. straight years of making a regional. Right now, the rankings obviously haven't updated. They're currently at 80. Um, very much in danger of snapping that NCAA active record streak. The, the other thing is we talk about Utah, you know, maybe not having a couple of their players, a team that hasn't had their whole team for a couple of times this year, including most recently um, is UCLA. They're at 102, probably need to win or not probably need to win the Pac-12 championship to make regionals. At the same time, the Bruins still played six events. They had Devin Bling for all six of those. They had Eddie Lai, their second best player for five of those. I, I just don't think you can really make an argument for a team missing a couple of their best players and having one bad event because, I mean, there's been teams in the past, even before COVID, you know, maybe a guy didn't qualify or maybe like Austin Neckert with Oklahoma state was playing a tour event, you know, Oklahoma state goes and takes care of business anyway. So I, I just, you know, going back to the first thing we talked about, about maybe being a little bit more subjective and not just going off the rankings. I, I think I agree with you, Lance, and that there's just no yeah. way they can justify it because heck, I mean, I, I don't remember Santa Clara playing college golf on TV this year. Do you? No, you know, and like same thing, same thing. Like with you could never jump to UCLA. How far down they are? I mean, it just you just can't. I, I just don't think you could do it. I, so I think that's why I say at the end of the day, they're just going to have to go down the list because, okay. I mean, and then I, you could make a case probably for every team probably could make a case at some point about their lineup here or there. So I don't know, but yeah, you know, you talk about UNLV possibly missing. Uh, you know, there's it's just kind of a crazy year. We're just starting to see teams, you know. Uh, mid-majors that are good and 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 um you know it, it, the other thing is you know we haven't talked about the transfer portal at all and what kind of effect that has had and it's definitely going to have but don't I even mean, get us started on yeah that. we, that's <laughs> probably another podcast but yeah it's just uh there, there's a lot of teams that that those mid-major teams if you get those guys to stick around a while uh you know the the team dynamics the chemistry the everybody playing for each other and a common goal you're going to get some really good teams and you know, that, that, that could play with the power fives that have a lot of inter, you know, interchangeable or a lot of faces that are coming and going. So um, it's, it's, like I said, I think it's going to be a really, really unique postseason this year. Maybe we don't need the 500 rule. Well, you know, I think, yes, but I, you're going to now more than ever with what we're seeing this year, with the way that, with the way the people think the rankings look, because a lot of people think they look off that's just support to have the 500 rule. I mean, for us to sit there and look at it, we can't, we don't, we can't tell what the computer, and the computer goes so many layers, so many, I mean, math is so deep with those rankings that, I mean, it's just easy to, I mean, everyone's trying to figure out a problem. What I told uh, somebody last night is I said, well, what if there's not a problem? You're just trying to invent one. And so I, I just, all of the math. Exactly. So I don't think, uh, I, I think the, the 500 rule is, is, this year has been the biggest supporter of seeing it come back. We could deep dive on this all night. We know it's late, Lance, but uh, always appreciate getting your thoughts. And we'll find out soon enough how the committee uh, breaks it all down. Yep, probably going to be a lot of stuff happening between now and then. So uh, keep at it, guys. Thanks, Lance. Always good to hear from you, bud. Yeah, you too. See you guys. Yep, see you guys. Lance Ringler from Golf Week. Couple little technical things there, but uh, I think for the most part we got it all figured out. So uh, Lance, 
knows the numbers as well as anyone. So certainly uh, great to have him on. Uh, and we'll have to see really what the committee does uh, moving forward. But I, you know, I think this year as a whole, Brentley, obviously it's not been a wash, but it's been, there's no blueprint for what everyone has dealt with, uh, you know, from a college golf perspective uh, with the pandemic. So the fact that again, fingers crossed, we've got NCAs at Greyhawk next month. Um, you know, in January, I wasn't even sure we're going to, we were going to get there and it looks like we're in a good spot, but as we wrap up, I know we got about a minute or two left. There's one team that maybe hoped they would be making a postseason run, uh, that the pandemic, uh, unfortunately had other plans. Yeah. The Augusta university Jaguars or Augusta state, or what was the Georgia Regents? Wasn't that their name for like a yeah, season? Yeah, they were a Georgian or Regents. Universe. They're Augusta State. They'll always be Augusta. <laughs> Augusta State. State. Yeah, they they were hoping to be lifting their six straight MEAC titles since moving to that conference six years ago or seven years ago now. Um, but again, before teeing it up, before playing around at their conference championship, COVID positive test, um, believe maybe the the first of this conference championship season, at least that, that I'm aware of, knocks the whole team out. They're not able to play. So four teams left and Florida A&M goes out and sweeps the titles, uh, earns the automatic qualifier. So the Rattlers will be playing in regionals, which is pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I hate it for Augusta. Um, I know that you know, talent wise, they were clearly the best team in that conference. Um, but again, you know, things happen, and uh, I, I think that Augusta is going to be Florida A&M's biggest fans now uh, as we move in, uh, into regionals. And then some news you broke on Tuesday at a college station. One of the all-time great uh, women's college golf coaches um, no longer leading the ship for the Aggies. Yeah, how about that? Andrea Gaston uh, moved – over to College Station after a illustrious career where she won three national titles, national team titles at USC. 2018, moved to College Station, accepted the job at Texas A&M. I, I really figured by now, Burko, that we'd see A&M contend for an SEC title. Um, just with everything that she accomplished in Los Angeles, I mean, granted, COVID might have had some of an impact, but in her two SEC championships, 13th two years ago and 11th, you know, on Sunday or last week. Uh, so obviously not getting it done. I, I, I do think it's a little strange. And uh, I saw Georgia's women's coach, Josh Brewer, tweeted at me, um, you know, tonight just, you know, talking about how he was shocked, um, you know, that – it, it, it just didn't seem right, um, you know, especially in a COVID year. I mean, I, I don't think you can really blame anyone for, uh, you know, how a team performs with all the uncertainty, uncertainty that's going on. But again, uh, I, I think it's an athletic department decision, and they obviously felt like they were better moving forward without Andrea. Obviously, we wish her well. I mean, Burko, you've known her a long time. Um, and she's gone through a lot, you know, with, with her health as well. So again, um, you know, we've seen some longtime head coaches and, you know, good people lose their jobs over the last, you know, couple seasons. And we just, you know, wish them good luck. And uh, hopefully we'll see her back, uh, you know, kind of land a job here pretty soon. 
Yeah, Andre Gaston, one of my all-time favorites uh, by every indication people I've been in touch with. The uterine cancer that she dealt with in 2017, this is no health issue from what uh, sources have told me. Boy, three years is a quick trigger to pull on arguably one of five, six, seven best women's college golf coaches ever, including the COVID year. Uh, as you said, though, the results haven't been there. I would only think they have someone in mind. I don't think you make a decision like that without maybe something already in the works. We'll leave it at that. We'll see how it transpires. Uh, but Andrea Gaston, uh, I'd run through a brick wall for that that woman, one of, one of the best. And uh, as you said, hopefully she will uh, end up where she wants to end up. Who knows? Maybe she hangs her hat and says, I've had a heck of a run, but uh, surprising news that you, uh, you got to the bottom of today. So we appreciate that. We appreciate everyone joining us as always on College Golf Talk. We're going to be fast and furious over the next six weeks. I think we might be popping up perhaps more than every couple of weeks. We'll see how the regional selection shows go. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy, stay safe, and we'll chat soon. Take care. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.